But anyway, so the point that I'm trying to say is that I, I think we, we, we had, all of us, we, we can look back at a decade and, and with the ups and downs of, of every 10 years, you're going to look that way and feel different about it. But, but I, I, I know that for all of us, and especially in this context, that God um, had a profound call and a specific thing on this church. This has always been a pioneering church. This has always been a prophetic company of people, even though it's not like, you know, it's a thus says the Lord, prophets rising up, but it's been prophetic in the expression that God has been doing. To be open to things of the Spirit that not many places are open to, and, and because of it, it's been challenging and hard, but but yet it, 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 it kept feeling like it was God, it was Jesus saying, listen, can I use your boat for a season? And and we said yes, right? You said yes. And and that's the point. That's that's what we're always supposed to do is to, to come in that moment and, and just come in agreement with the Lord. And as we allow him to do that, then, you know, suddenly he goes and says, would you go in again and, and just try again? And even though we felt like we toiled all night, uh, it's worth it if we go on the word of the Lord, right? And there is a massive harvest. There's a big catch. And everybody's excited. And Peter gets out of the boat and basically says, I'm not worthy of you. And right there, he gives up fishing and he starts following Jesus. And Jesus says to him, well, from now on, you're going to be called a fisher of men, right? And, and it's a, such an exciting thing that happened, good things that happened, good things that flowed out of it. And, but then there's a, a next encounter where this exact same story plays off again. And it's interesting because as I'm standing here this morning, I, I almost feel that this is where you're at in this season, right? This is in John 21, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But Peter, again, you know, it's in John chapter, uh, yeah, John chapter 21, verse 3 to 6, right? And, and it's the story where it says, it's kind of interesting. It just says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And like I've noticed Peter's character a little bit, I read some more into that phrase than just I'm going fishing. I can maybe see a little bit of an attitude, maybe a little bit of I'm, I've had enough. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go fishing again. Sometimes we, we kind of have talks like that. I'm just, I'm getting a job again. <laughs> I just, like when my children ask me, what's your job? I'm like, what do you mean what's my job? This is, this is a, I'm working, right? <laughs> so, and, and it's kind of like Peter in this moment just went, it's like this awesome season of following Jesus, of walking with Jesus as a close disciple in a certain way, in a certain form, comes to an end. And Peter is dealing with a lot of stuff in his heart. Uh, you know, he denied Jesus three times. Not that I think that's relevant here um, at all. But, but as a human being, he's just dealing with stuff, Right? And Jesus is dead. He knows he's supposed to rise. People tell him he's alive. I, I still don't really understand what Peter did here completely. But, but it's almost like he's just like, okay, well, this is not, not making sense anymore. I'm, I'm out of here. And the point is that going fishing for Peter means going to, to what you're comfortable with. Right? So going fishing in this context means Peter is saying, I'm going to let go a little bit. Right? I'm just going to... Let this thing go a little bit. It's asked too much. Um, there, just, the ask is just too high. Right? And that's actually what's happening in his heart. He's just going, I still love Jesus. I'm not, I'm, it's not none of that. It's just, I'm just going to let go a little bit. 
of, you know, the fisher of men thing. I'm just going to get back to catching fish again because that's just a whole lot easier, right? And so all of the disciples followed Peter, which is strange again. So all of them go and they're just like, we're done. We're fishing, right? And we all know the story. So a man shows up on the seashore and he looks at them and he goes, hey, have you caught any fish? Remember? And they say, no, we, no, sir, we haven't caught a thing. And he says uh, the simple words that we all know. And he just goes, why don't you cast the net on the other side? Right? And they're like, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, the boat is what, about this wide. So, you know, what's the point? And they go, okay, why not? Listen to the guy. And they do it. And they catch 153 fish, right? And the minute they do it, you know, John looks up and he's to Peter, hey, it's Jesus. And Peter jumps out and he runs to Jesus. And, and suddenly the restoration of Peter takes place in that moment, right? It's the restoration of Peter back into the thing. But this time it's not fish. He says, this time would you feed my lambs? Would you shepherd my flock? Would you? So it's a completely different season that breaks open. And where Peter walked in this discipleship thing close to Jesus with all his ups and downs, suddenly he comes to this place and, and it's the simple word that changes his life. And the word is just simply that, would you just cast your net on the other side? And although it's different in Luke than Luke 5, it's actually exactly the same thing. He's asking him to make small adjustments back into exactly what he's good with, right? So it, it's, I want you to see this. Jesus is asking him to do precisely what Peter is good at. All he's asking him to do is, would you do it the way that I want you to do it? Do you see the difference? And that was Peter's thing from the beginning. Well, on your word, I'll do it, right? Peter is also the guy that went in John 6. Well, where shall we go? You have the words of life. So, so Peter might be many things, but he's, he, he, he was obedient. Like he understood the word and the authority of the Lord. But it was a small adjustment that brought in a mighty catch, right? Small adjustments within who we are and within what we're called to and within our original calling, anointing set of gifts. And Jesus goes and he says, listen, would you just, he's not asking for a, you know, a, a 180 degree turnaround. He's not asking for much. Actually, what he's asking is, I want you to do the same thing that you've always been doing. I just want you to throw it in on the other side a little bit. Meaning, there's a small change that needs to come. We need to adjust our minds into this new decade to get what he wants us to do, right? So that we can experience this bountiful catch, because it is the decade of, of souls, right? I want to encourage you guys with everything inside of me. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you have to go after souls in this season. We have to get back to winning souls for the Lord. We have to get back to redeeming the lost, to finding them, to however that, if that means you have to throw money after it, throw money after it. Go and do it yourself. Get somebody at work. Do what I said yesterday. Pray the lost into the kingdom. But there's a grace for winning souls in this decade. And Jesus is literally standing and he's saying, hey, KF24, would you cast the net on the other side again? I want you to keep on doing what you did. You did well, but there's a small adjustment that I want you to make and get back to the original thing that made you who you are, right? Get back to what made you who you are and the fish, the harvest is going to come in. And as they do it, suddenly Peter comes out and Jesus says to him, listen, um, Peter, would you, would you feed my flock? Would you care for my lambs? The whole thing. Do you love me, Peter? 
and he's breaking down, and suddenly Peter becomes the leader of the church, right? But it was out of that place of obedience where suddenly he goes from a fisher to man, he goes to a shepherd of the flock. So suddenly he goes from, from a guy that's, that's you know, fishing, and, and that's awesome, but suddenly it looks like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus says, would you copy me? Would you do what I did? Would you shepherd and feed them and take care of my flock, Right? And all of that forms part of this harvest thing of getting the lost in, getting the 153 fishes in, right? 153 is a number for revival, by the way. Getting that number in, right? And starting to shepherd them and feed them and do something with this thing. It's an apostolic mandate that Jesus gives Peter in that moment, right? And Peter becomes the pillar of the early church because of the mandate in that moment where actually everything that he did was kind of strange. He kind of went into a comfort zone. And, and the point is this, fishing is not bad. Going back to that place is not bad. But going back to doing it the way that you always did it, that's the problem, right? There's new energies, anointing, whatever you want to call it, that God wants to release, but literally is going, just cast it in on the other side. Just cast it in on the other side, and things are going to go again. And Peter is back to his original call. Right, he's back in his sweet spot again, and he's doing what made him Peter from the very beginning. He's a fisher of men again, with an added element to that. And God says, shepherd these people. Right, he becomes a pillar to the flock. And I want to encourage you to say that, what is Jesus saying at this moment? Where, where, where is, where's the, the place that you know that when we do this, we're making the biggest impact that we possibly can within our ability and our anointing and in our gift set. That's the place where the life is at. That's the place that he wants to take and he wants to elevate that onto a whole different level from, from what you saw in the last 10 years or the last 20 years or 30 years, right? It's to take the very thing that makes you who you are, right? Your DNA, to take that and to tell you, listen, would you cast it in? Would you make small adjustments here and there? Cast the net on the other side. Maybe aim higher, look deeper. Try something different a little bit in your approach to that and see what I will do. And see what the Lord wants to do, right? Like I said that first night, it was so funny when I prayed for, for you guys a couple of weeks back. The word that kept coming to me for KF24 is a rebirth. It's like there's a rebirth coming in the church. There's like a, a new, there's new life that's going to start coming in. I don't even know exactly what that means, but that kept going in my spirit. It's like God wants to, there's a rebirth going to take place, and that means new life, right? That means new life. That means new, whether that's people, projects, outreaches, missions, uh, trade. I don't know what that means, but it means there's new life coming, Right? And I want to say something to the younger generation. It doesn't mean it has to be these two doing it. Right? That's not what it's about because it's new life. They are getting a little bit older life, although they're awesome, right? But there's a new life that's being released. There's new energy that needs to come. And it's like God is saying, even to the younger guys, just saying, and younger, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know. For some, I'm young, and for others, I'm old. So you decide what's young and what's not, right? So, um, but for the younger guys, just to say, what is Jesus saying to you right now? Because the other thing, it's, it's really easy to get in a comfort zone when Jesus is leading. And what I mean with that is just when, when you're walking with Jesus like Peter did every day, life kind of gets easy, 
right? But when, when Jesus just walks off the scene a little bit, suddenly what does Peter do? He goes back to his old ways. That can't be us. That can't be us, right? It can't be that, that, we lose, that our energy, our anointing, our drive is connected to somebody else completely the whole time. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about leadership, right? You have to have passion for what you have to have passion for. And you need to be the one that drives that thing and to say, okay, what is Jesus saying this year? How do I cast my net to the other side? What does it look like? Where is my harvest field? Where, where is KF24's fish? Where, where is the people that we need to shepherd, the flock that we need to get in, right? If we want to be a voice that is relevant in the next 10 years, what do we need to do? Right? Not if we want to be comfortable with the way we're doing things, which is awesome. That's not the point. Comfortable is irrelevant. But being relevant, that's the main thing. How are we going to stay relevant with the times and the seasons in South Africa? Who are the people we need to impact if we want to see a nation change? Right? How do we change Pretoria East? What does that look for? Because you're in Pretoria East, whether you like it or not, whether you, it doesn't matter. But this is where you are. How do you impact Pretoria East? How is Pretoria East changing? Right? What's happening in the townships? What's happening in the nations around you, the places that we're involved in? How are we going to take that and elevate it so that, it's, so that it goes from, from what it is now to a place where we all go in 10 years and say, oh my goodness, can't believe God did this. We never expected that. At the end of last year, the Lord gave me a, a, a word. I kept seeing 11-11, 11-11. Everywhere I go, I see 11-11. And what actually where it started was I was sitting in a church of a pretty famous prophetic guy. And uh, I'm sitting with Maurice, we're, we're in America, and it's like all these big names going through there, you know, like the biggest names in the prophetic. And then he comes to me before service and he's like, yeah, I, I would just like to, you know, pull on your mantle a little bit, and I would just love you to give a, a, a word over this house. And I'm going, hmm, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, no worries, no worries, yeah, I'll get one. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm going to her, I'm saying, we're in trouble now, I have nothing, <laughs> right? And then she goes, um, uh, she, uh, and, and suddenly I start seeing in my spirit, I see the words 11, 11, uh, or the numbers 11, 11, and she went out, and as she comes back, she hands me my phone, I still have the photo, and she hands me, and I'm looking at it, and it's 11, 11, exactly, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I need a confirmation, I think I have it, right? And God takes me to Hebrews 11, 11. And the context of Hebrews 11, 11 is this. It's a, it's a story of Sarah where it said that even though Sarah was old and it was impossible for her, her to bear children, by faith she held on to the promise and she could bear fruit. She, she, she produced the son of the promise, right? And what I felt that God was saying is irrelevant of what time or age or season in life we're at, irrelevant of how old the promise might be or how impossible it might feel, that God is saying that it is a season where he's bringing manifestation to those impossible promises, despite your age, despite your natural ability, okay? And that word should be encouraging to you guys that we, we're in 2020, there's 10 years, uh, you know, f before we're in 2030, and how is this going to look different than the last 10 years? If God said, if God said so many, you know, nations, so many sons, so many churches, whatever it be, if God promised all of these things, how are we going to step into that this season unless we say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to cast my net on the other side, right? That's, that's it. 
And it's time that the sons will stand up. It's time that, that we rise up and we say that it's, it's a new season. It's the Elijah to Elisha shift that's taking place, right? Right? We have fathers in the spirit, but there's sons that need to rise up and understand that the fathers have set a platform for us, that the fathers are lifting our hands. I cannot express to you enough the gratitude that I have for the last year if I looked at people who are like fathers in my life, right? And it's not just one, it's, it's a couple. People that came in and became a mother to Maurice in a season where we really hit a lot of resistance. And just the fact that an older generation with experience, with just a little bit of calm, you know, it's not necessarily that they say something you haven't heard, but they just get you to calm down. And who knows that's really important, right? Just calm down. It's going to be okay. No, you're thinking right. Or no, you're completely thinking wrong. So you're out of line in your thinking. And it just makes you go, okay, I have a soundboard. People that, that can bring connections to the fathers in the church. We need you to make the connections, right? We need you to set the stuff up so that the next generation can run, right? We, I, I was ministering at a, in, a, on a, in a farm community recently, and this one young couple came to see us. We're, I mean, they're falling apart. This guy's 30 years old, awesome, awesome couple. I mean, they are so loving Jesus and, and doing a great job. But the dad just does not want to let go of that farm, doesn't want to, doesn't know how to let the son just rise up. I'm not saying give over. I'm just saying give the son space to do what he needs to do because he's got some good ideas. But they don't know how to do that, right? And we can't be that. So to the older men and women... I want to encourage you and say, how are you going to help a younger generation to shift into their position for the next 10 years, right? There's some fireballs in this church. I know them because I worked with them, right? There, there's some amazing people around us. How are we going to help them to get into line? And sometimes you need to really help them get into line, okay? Because they're millennials and they're confused, right? I don't even understand them. I never understood them. And the other day I heard, I'm not a millennial. I'm so excited. They made a new group just for me, right? <laughs> just for my age gap. They created a whole new group because they said they don't understand the millennials and they don't necessarily understand the other generation. So we're unique, right? So I look at the millennials. I think, what's wrong with you? Why don't you work? <laughs> right? The millennials look at me and I feel I need to understand, but I don't completely. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? The point is that the younger generation needs encouragement. The younger generation needs somebody to tell them, just put your net on the other side. It's going to work. You're doing great, but you're putting a lot of energy into something that's not producing much, right? Just cast your net on that side and let's see what happens. They need that, right? The young generation, the older generation needs you to stand up, right? They really do. If you think decade, I want to just plus 10 to your age quickly. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're going to be. Yeah. Feistig. In my prime. I'm so excited. Right? Wait, how old are you in 10 years? Think about it. And how fast did the last 10 go? Yeah. We've got a gap here. We've got an opportunity to do something for God. It really is the decade of souls. We've seen it in the village. We're really seeing every service souls are coming in. For me, if one comes in, I'm excited. I'm in the trans guy. 
I know other guys need 100,000 before they get excited, but for me, I rejoice over one because that's a good day in, in, in my region. In, in one weekend, we had six, seven, three, and four. That's a lot for us. Like if you win five souls every day, you'll be excited, right? If you win five souls in an area where, there's no, where everybody's a first-generation believer, right, you're excited, right? So I'm seeing it. It's happening. It's, it's available. It's right there. But you have to be in the field. You have to be in a place where the net is right. Okay? And if the net is not right, get the net right real quick. Raise, up, raise them up. Get your leaders ready. Get the stuff in place. Get your Peters ready. Peter, feed the flock. Do this. Do that. Get people in position so that we can get this thing going. But we need new life. And I want to say to, to whatever it looks like, whatever is going on in your heart, don't resist the new life. I know it's messy. I know it's noisy. I've got four of them. But you need that, right? You need that. Abby is new life to us. It's the hardest new life that I've had in my life. Because what? She is not my own. And that's what God does. Isn't that the spirit of adoption? Isn't that the heart of the gospel? Is that we can take somebody that doesn't look like us, doesn't smell like us, doesn't speak like us, and we give them a home and we show them who the Father is. Right? That's part of it. We have to get over our orphan spirit, church. We have to get rid of that thing. We cannot sit in this time and age after the the richness of teaching that we have on identity and still struggle with our identity. I'm not rebuking you. I'm just telling you we need to wake up. Right? Stop thinking like an orphan. Stop sitting in this place. That little girl for me, she I mean, she was born in a prison, right? So think about her life. She grew up in prison for two and a half years. I mean, when we put a little bath toy in, in the tub with her the first time and she took a bath in our house, it was a little duck, right? And this little duck floats towards her. She freaks out like it's a killer whale coming for her, right? She's got no grit for anything. She didn't know how to climb on the jungle gym. She, she, we had to teach her. I'm, I'm still having to teach her. She, she has no perception of depth. So when we walk on the rocks or somewhere, I need to show her where to put her foot so that she won't fall. She, you understand? She's, she's got no grit for anything because of the way she grew up. But here's the crazy thing. That first night that she came into my house, into our house, she sat there. And the first night, I think she had a, a, a screaming thing, right? In the middle. So the first couple of nights, she would just scream in the middle of the night. And it was the craziest thing. At one night, we're just tired now. So I go and sit on her bed, and I just start praying for her. And I just go, in the name of Jesus... I command this thing to stop because you're under my roof now. And everything changed because of that reason. This is illegal, right? And when I prayed it for, something shifted inside of me and I went, that's exactly what happened to me. I was in a prison. I was uneducated, unexposed to anything of the kingdom of God. And then suddenly the son of God stood in front of me and he said, come, you're in my house now. You're safe. And suddenly this girl goes from being neglected, being what she is, and she goes to belonging in a home where she's safe and under the hand of the Lord. Isn't that crazy? It took, it was an instant, right? That's who you are. You're not an orphan. You shifted into something new. We cannot think like orphans anymore. We cannot, listen to me, we, we, we have to get to the place where we do what is necessary in whatever season. doesn't matter what we want, but it's about what he wants, right? An orphan can't do that. Right? 
That little, she's young, I can talk about it. That little girl looks at my sons and my, my, my daughters, the other ones. If they get anything, ask them, if they get anything that doesn't look exactly like hers, it's over. It's like, like why did they get it? Why don't I? Which is kind of strange in the one way because that's kind of how orphans think. But on the other hand, she's actually thinking like a child. She became a child. She's like, why are they getting it? I'm a... I'm part of this house. Why am I not getting what they're getting? It's actually the right attitude. What I want to say to you is if we want to win souls, we have to get over the idea. If we want to step into this new season where God wants to pour out something, we have to get over this orphan thing where there's levels and stuff and we're not secure in ourselves. You cannot be threatened by new life. You cannot be threatened with new life. It's, it's not right. Right? If some young guy walks in here and he's got an anointing that can rock the world, you have to celebrate that. Right? You have to celebrate that and help him to rock the world. Right? And he's going to be foolish because I was that guy. Arrogant and think you have it all figured out. And I, I know he doesn't, but he just needs somebody to just allow him to burn his fingers enough, but give him room to do it. Right? Because he'll get it somewhere along the line, just like you got it somewhere along the line. You have to be okay when somebody comes in and there's a new worship sound, there's a new something coming, and you have to be okay with that, right? Because there's a greater good, there's something that's bigger than who we are, right? Don't be like the other disciples. Yeah, but what about John? What, what about John? Is he, why, why, you know, you said all of us, we're dying, what, why, why is John, what's his story? And Jesus is like, well, he can live forever if it's up to me. <laughs> I enjoyed the answer. He's like, why does he care? I can make him live forever if I want to. What is it to do with you? Absolutely nothing. What's your job? Just do your job. Peter, you go to the Jews. Paul, you go to the Gentiles. I don't want to go to the Gentiles. I want to go to the Jews. I don't care. Go to them. Right? I wanted to go to the Gentiles. No, you're going to the Jews, Peter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Do your job. Stop looking over your shoulder. Just do what God told you to do and be bold in doing it. Confident, humble, meek before the Lord. But God is saying, cast the net on the other side. So I want to suggest to you that, that we, you need to sit, we need to sit and listen and hear what is He saying in this season? Where do we need to cast the net? Where is the catch for this season? Because the last 10 years was awesome, but He's upgrading us into a different walk like He did with Peter and John 21. It's a different walk, different impact, new fish, right? Not the same fish as in John and Luke 5. Different fish. What do they look like? How do we get them? How do we reach them? What, it, what will it cost us? Everything. Everything. It will. Right? I've been Ageko Afanaing Noyesu for four years every Sunday now. Right? <laughs> They've got five songs. We're singing five songs for four years nonstop. It's not, I'm, I don't enjoy it every time, <laughs> strangely enough, <laughs> but they enjoy it. So I'm just like, okay. And especially when that one mama, if they start doing this, then you know the anointing is coming. It's going to happen any minute now, right? And we're, <laughs> it's just whatever. We're enjoying it, right? I don't want to hear the same, I've been hearing the same testimonies for four years now, right? It's okay. I'm tired of the testimonies, the same ones over and over, but it's okay. They feel they need to share it, so fine. Share the testimony, right? It costs you everything. 
Everything. It does. Things that you didn't know is costly suddenly becomes costly. It costs you everything. I had, we had four kids with, di- with diarrhea and vomiting for five straight days in the village without running water. Five straight days. No running water. You try that. <laughs> it costs you everything. Everything. Your language doesn't matter. The kind of worship you like doesn't matter. You want the fish. Doesn't matter. It's about the fish. It's about the harvest. It's about casting that net on the other side and that thing being so fat and full that he wants to tear open. But you just go, it's okay. Because he said, do it. Cast it on the other side. It doesn't matter. You want the fish. You want a nation to change. I said to them the other day, I was preaching at at somebody passed away and I I took that scripture with uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 to uh, to 3 where it says I I love it so much where where God comes to Joshua and he says to him Joshua my servant Moses is dead right and I'm thinking Joshua loved him he was a father to him and then Jesus goes get up (laughs) get up everything that I promised Moses you're doing it now so go Right? And he gets to do the stuff that, that Moses never got to see. That's going to be our story. It's going to be my children's story. They're going to do stuff that I might never see, but I build a platform. I introduced them. I did the right thing. I put the boat down and I said, preach. Right? And we did what we were supposed to do. And here's the point. I, I said to them, this is the thing. There's a generation that's gone, and nobody in this room is gone, so relax. But there's a generation, there's a season that's gone. And God is coming to every one of us, and it's like a shift in season into this decade, and He's going, Joshua, I need you to get up and do everything that the previous generation we didn't get done. It's your turn now. Can we start doing this thing? Right? Here's the point. I told, I told them, I, I said, can you imagine Reinhard Bonke, who passed away now, can you imagine that day when he, when he stands in heaven and suddenly he looks around him and there's more people that got born again because of his preaching that lives in South Africa. Like the, the number of people that got born again in his crusades is more than the population of South Africa. And you stand there and you're like, okay, 76 million. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that the point? What do we take to heaven? We take souls and we take discipled people, transformed lives. That's what we take. I'm not bonker. I don't think I'll get 76 million, right? But if I need to get 100,000, then I want the 100,000. I want to bring what I need to bring. I need to get that to him. It will cost us everything, but we're going to try our best, right? It will cost you everything. But he's saying, cast the net on the other side. Haggai 2, where God says to him, I said, Zerubbabel, Joshua, he says to look, look, can you remember what this house looked like? He said to him in verse 3, he said, can you remember the glory of this house? And then he goes, so what does it look like to you now? And then he looks at him and he says, so work. He says, get busy, work. 
And then he goes on, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the riches of all the earth is mine. And he says, and the glory of this house, the latter glory will be greater than the former glory, right? The latter will be greater than the former. It's a promise over every believer in this room. The latter will be greater than the former. But what do you need to do? You need to hear him say, cast it in on the other side. And you need to do it. You need to say, oh, Lord, what, what price do we need to pay? What do we need to do? How do we get this thing better? And you do it. It doesn't matter the cost, right? Because we want to stand before him one day with our 76 million or our two or our five or our 100,000 or 500. doesn't matter. But you want to do what he asked you to do. That's all that matters. It's all that matters. What is needed in this season, right? What is necessary to take this thing forward? How do we make the difference? That's the call, isn't it? If we say we love Him, and I know everybody in this room does, what is He asking of you? What is He asking of you to do? And let's do that. Right? South Africa is an awesome nation. But we are in trouble. We're in trouble, guys. Let's just be honest for a minute. Right? We need God to move. We need God to save this nation. I'm sitting in a part of the world and I'm seeing what's happening. And every now and again, the revelation comes to me that everything that's happening around me, it's exactly what's happening in government. The witchcraft, the sacrifices, the cursing and the songomas. It's happening in your government. And we go, I wonder why sauna is a mess. Why do you think it's a mess? They have no clue how to do this, right? They need to be born again. And we, we are the ones that need to get this thing done, whether it's partnering with politicians and doing your thing, whether it's getting into government, whether it's just praying for them, whether it's winning the next generation to the Lord. They need help. They're growing up in this stuff. We're all angry at the school system and what they're wanting to teach the kids. You know why they want to teach them that? Because they struggle with it at that age. Because they're exposed to it in their homes. Seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. Right? This is their world. And I hate it. I disagree with it. Don't get me wrong. I disagree 100%. But do you understand that this is what they live in? They live in that. They live in the witchcraft. They live in the sacrifices and people eating dead animals because they're slaughtering them and mama putting a goat over her shoulder and it's bleeding all over her because that's what's asked by the ancestors. They grow up in this, right? And we don't understand why they're a little bit different. That's why. They grow up with mama in a, in a shack where they're having <sighs> sexual relations with a different guy and it's in a shack. From this age, it's not like mama says, go and play in the room next door. The room next door has no sound. This is what you grow up in. They don't have a different way. This is their world. And we want to go, oh, no, I don't know. We're not going to shame. We don't understand why it's a mess. That's why it's a mess. Right? And we are rich and blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. And Jesus is saying, would you cast the net on the other side? Cast the net on the other side. What does that mean? I have no clue what it means for you. Absolutely none. Wish I did. 
but I don't. What does it look like for you? What do you need to do? Right? Because there's a harvest, there's a catch ready in this decade. There's a catch ready. Is it Malawi? I don't know. Is it Zimbabwe? I don't know. Is it more townships? I don't know. Is it something here? I don't know. Right? How are you going to reach the masses of South Africa? Because we're in trouble. We're really in trouble. Vian sent me those statistics the other day. Like where we live, it's just an example. I don't want you to, we're, we're going there. But where we live, there's a million people, right? A million out of three million that's living on 400 rand a month or less. Out of a million, there's a half a million that lives on zero income. Zero. The unemployment rate in the Eastern Cape is, I think, 49%. 49. Right? We work in a space of what? 200 square kilometers. There's not one pure church in 200 square kilometers. Not, I don't care Dutch Reformed, uh, Roman, I don't, care, I don't care the brand or the name or the whatever. There's not one in 200 square kilometers that preaches the gospel straight. That you preach, that you follow Jesus and Jesus only. That's a little corner of the world, of our world. Our world is in desperate need for somebody to say, all right, I'll cast it in on the other side. I've been toiling all night. It sucked. I'm not getting results, but okay. Here we go again. All right? I want to encourage you this morning. I want to tell you that, that, that it's, it's opportunity. That's all I see. I just see opportunity. I'm not saying be foolish or be dumb, none of those things. I'm just saying there's opportunity here. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. I'm not saying things are going well. It's not going well with lots of people. Some of us are prospering and some of us are not. Right? Businesses are suffering. The corruption is getting people. Get that. Right? But how can we influence? What can we do different? How can we reach the lost? How are we going to be partnering with this billion soul harvest? How? You know, what, what are we going to do different this year? Because that's what God is asking of us. Right? And it's not a hard thing. You guys know it. There's not a church that knows it better than you. This is your heart. This is your heart. So it's not like new. It's not new at all. It's not like we're challenging you and you're not. You are doing a lot. But I'm asking you to knuckle down and to ask the Lord, how do we do better this year? How do we do better in the next 10 years? If this is supposed to be a house of generals, I remember that word so well. And this will be a house of generals. Remember Mervis's word was it 10 years ago. And this will be a house of generals. Then the generals need to start rising up. Right? And we need to say, let's go. Let's get this thing done. Simplify our lives. Let's get moving. Right? There's, I mean, there's Zambia and more Zambia and Malawi and where else Martin is going and you guys are busy with stuff and everybody's busy with stuff, right? It's so awesome. But how can we get more effective this year? Right? Everything about this weekend was about the prophetic. What's the point of the prophetic? It's to direct us. What direction are we to go this year? Where are we going to have the biggest impact? Right? Strategic thinking, combined thinking. What is God saying right now? How do we get this thing done? Right? 
And it's not easy. It's not like blueprints fall out of heaven. It doesn't always make sense. It takes time. It's not even like we have it figured out. But at least we decided this is what we're doing and we're going to keep on doing this as well as we can, as long as we can. Right? And we're going to reach people as long as we can. Last year, we stopped opening new villages. All we did is we discipled people. Six months, we didn't open a new village. We already opened new villages this year again. Because we felt six months, this is what you're going to do. Disciple guys, get them ready because you can't do this on your own. So get the guys into position and, and, and next year we can start moving. We're in next year. When we go back, we're going to do crusade upon crusade upon crusade in our villages. We're pulling out the tent again. We didn't use the tent for a year, right? But we're going door to door. We just decided we want to see souls come in. There has to be somebody that wants to hear somewhere. Do you agree? Somebody somewhere wants to hear. I just need to find them, Right? And for me, finding them is a little bit difficult sometimes. It's over mountains and hills and strange situations. For you, it might be easier. I might be sitting right next to you in the office. Right? That's also part of this harvest. But cast the net on the other side. God wants us to be sensitive. God wants us to be sensitive in this season. He wants you to hit the mark. Right? It's a rebirth taking place. New life is coming. I don't know if that means new people. I don't know what that means. But I think there's something new that God, it's a fresh wind that's coming on the church. And that's, I know you want that, right? So, but it's a fresh wind that's coming. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but you need to have the sails up and be ready to catch the wind and just go with it, right? Don't be stuck in old ways. Don't be stuck in a set mindset. Just say, God, we're ready and we're ready to go. Does that make sense? Yeah? So I just want to encourage you guys this morning. It's not a deep profound thing it's encouragement and saying listen i feel like god is putting his finger on you again right i said to marisa the other day we we're just thinking of our days here before we left in like five years ago Rick. can you believe it man and uh and i kept thinking of you of kf and i, I thought this place the the amount of conferences <laughs> that took place in this little church is kind of ridiculous if you think about it but think about what was released into our nation because of this church. You understand? It's phenomenal. And we sometimes we forget that. That you, you, you were a platform, still is, for some of the most anointed men revivalists that is alive today. History is going to talk about these guys and you created a platform for them. God honors that. It shifted something in a nation. It did. It shifted something in Pretoria. That was phenomenal. I know it's hard work and I know they annoy you sometimes. Those guest speakers, oh my goodness. Right? But it's necessary, unfortunately. It's a necessary evil or good, you can decide, right? And it touched a city. It, it, it was a hub in the spirit that was created. From here, things went to East London because of what happened here. And then to the Transkai, and then to Malawi, and then all over, right? Zambia, everywhere. Ch uh, Japan, and... Right? It, it, something was created here by the Lord that was awesome. And imagine God comes and He awakens that thing on a whole new level. And it's not about conference. It's not about that. It's just God has created this part of the body to be something unique special pioneering and different right and don't ever lose that don't lose that right just report for duty again
We've been fishing a while. Okay. Other side. Right? Casting in on the other side. Yeah, Lord, we've been trying so much. It's not happening. Well, could be today. Could be today. 